Pazuzi has been poured. Did you hear that elegant clink? <laughs> uh, the candle is lit. Uh, I am. Welcome to the horror salon. First, I am your co-host, Andemic, and I'm your co-host, the witch. Uh, welcome, 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 everybody. <laughs> we haven't even begun to sip on our Pazuzis, and you would not know that. No, you would not know that. Uh, tonight we have a fun little Pazuz in again. The beautiful glasses Andemic made herself. They're beautiful. Bloody. bloody. A little bloody. Bloody, puffy paint. Beautiful. Um, but we are sipping on some bourbon and root beer <laughs> tonight. <laughs> okay, so this is a combination I didn't even know existed. I never even thought to pair alcohol with root beer. No. Right? No. And I like root beer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know why I didn't think to do that. But apparently this is a sensation. People have said that, oh, I've been drinking this for years. Bourbon and root beer or just booze and root beer? Bourbon and root beer specifically. Oh. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. So I don't know what it's about. But we uh, we are toasting in honor of our theme of the night, which is... It's creepy pasta, but more horror. Let's just say all sorts of internet horror. Yeah, sure. And and, and believe me, uh, uh, tonight's going to be a shit show on Andemic's part here because this topic for me, it was very hard to get through. You know. So I'm going to maybe chug the bourbon and root beer. Let's do it. Oh, God. Well. That's good. What I like about it is it kind of disguises the saddle taste of the bourbon. It really does. And it, for me, unless I'm having a stroke, it is a little bit of a banana-y flavor on the backside. I can get that for sure. This is not bad. Not bad at all. If I had to drink bourbon, which you make me drink a lot. I do. Um, This would be the way to do it. This would be the way to do it. Yeah. You're exactly right. I saw a really intense online debate about barks versus um a and w a barks hands down that's what this person was very vehement (laughs) i mean a and w has its place in the pantheon certainly but if you want i mean seriously the commercial is right barks has bite it's a good bitey refreshing and they were um, saying it's the better mixer but okay. I, I can oh, okay. see why because it has its own like staunch flavor to mm-hmm. hold up against the liquor, whereas A and W is very like creamy. It, so yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's not gonna really add anything to the drink. Uh, wonderful. So, creepy pasta. Um, <clears throat> we went down all sorts of different rabbit holes for this one. <laughs> all sorts. Um, I have obviously been reading creepy pasta for uh, not a long time, but for since probably the early 2010s, my my emotional years. Um, <laughs> but endemic, this is your first kind of it throws is. into creepy pasta. It is. Um, I wouldn't call myself. I'm not a luddite, mm-hmm. but I don't do a lot of. I don't do a lot of exploring, I guess, on the internet, not like deep surfing or anything like that. I'm, I'm an eBay, YouTube and bloody disgusting girl. So, um, I didn't know anything about it. I knew of this thing called creepy pasta. I'm like, what the hell is that? I've heard you say it a a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, it's not what I do. Sure. It's not what I do. So I think it'll be fun to kind of get your perspective as someone who's just looking (laughs) at this for the first time. And then kind of compare it to what I've been used to. Because I will uh, be very transparent at the onset. I read a lot of creepypasta when I was in high school. And mm-hmm. then I kind of w- got away from it. Yeah. So I don't, I'm don't. i not as familiar with the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know when you launched into it, you probably had to delve <laughs> into a lot of the newer stuff. So I'm going to be really excited to talk to you tonight about that. Yeah. And and we've had, I had a conversation before we started tonight that I'm going to need lead a little bit on this one just because I kind of don't get it. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So let's talk about the name first because yes. I'm thinking, what the hell is this? Yes. And I learned that it's slang. Yes. For copy and paste. And that was news to me, too. Okay, so it's basically these horror stories that are copied and pasted all over the internet. Exactly. And then added to and embellished and 
they're kind of forever living stories, right? Right. So like creepy pasta, how I understand it is a play on the term copy pasta, which is the copy and paste you were just talking about. Yeah. And because it was creepy or horror themed, right. it becomes creepy pasta. Now, we call it creepy pasta and that's like pretty general in the I don't know, lexicon, but mm-hmm. I read somewhere that it said technically the copy pasta should be pr- pronounced copy po- copy post A. So this should technically be creepy post A, oh. but it just kind of got, you know, passed down and passed down hmm. and passed down to now it's just called creepy co- pasta. Creepy pasta. But so. it's just the general name for stories like this on the internet. Correct. Okay. Yes. Um so yeah, so and I think that that cre- creepy pasta as a formal term it started uh, popping up in two thousand around two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. So the form had already taken off, but this formal title, if you will, kind of came after the form was actually um, okay uh, being spread across the internet. Um, so I think it'd be good to talk about you know what. What is creepy pasta? What makes up creepy pasta? Mm-hmm. Um, it's typically so, as you said, horror stories mm-hmm. that have been copy and pasted and spread across the internet. Mm-hmm. One of the at least early tropes of creepy pasta was that it was very anonymous, and so uh, yeah, a lot of the stories felt true because you couldn't you couldn't trace them back to an author. Okay. Um, and a lot of them, if you read them, are told in first person. So this just happened to me on a message board. <laughs> this just, you know, this just happened to. So there, there's a little bit of credibility in that because it is being told by the person it happened. It's to. urban legend. It's urban, exactly. Urban legend in the digital age. And it's I know ur- we're going to talk about that. Exactly. Um, but it also has that funny thing of the internet it can be very anonymous. And so while it lends credibility to the teller, I think there's also still a level of, um, oh, is this really real? You know, because the, the internet is anonymous. Anyone can say anything happened to them on the internet. That is true. So um, I think that's really interesting about creepypasta. Typically, okay, so typically they're horror stories, so they're text-based some of them do have images and videos that correspond to them. We'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. about some of them that do later on. Um, but they are typically text-based. Most of them are shorter in length. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very digestible. Now, I will say just because of their nature, because anyone can create cre- creepy pasta. You can go on, you can contribute to some of these wikis and things like that. So a lot of the characters that have been kind of spun up mm-hmm. in the creepypasta genre pop up in other people's stories right and so these worlds kind of build around them and you get different iterations and there's a whole lore so you get a lot of um oh what's the word i'm trying to to uh say like it's like an anthology it's like you know so there's there's a lot you can go into if you're into a specific character specific story it's just like a oh a world of fan fiction. Exactly. It's very similar to fan fiction. Yeah. I, I feel. Will you, um, and, and if you can, maybe you can't, I don't know. Can you define for me wiki? Why, why wiki? Do you know? Why wiki? That's a good question. I know Wikipedia. And to me, it's just like a, I could be very wrong about this. This is my best guess is what wiki means. But to me, it's basically like a, um, a message, not necessarily a message board, but like a forum that multiple contributors can uh, contribute like an, to. Like an open forum. Yeah, like an open forum. A wiki forum. is an open forum. That's what I So that's why Creepypasta Wiki. Yeah, so op- it's an open forum. People can contribute to it. Just like Wikipedia, you can contribute to yeah. Wikipedia. So yeah. Okay. That, well, that um, makes sense to me. So that's what we're going that's with. That's what we're going with. Yeah. It, please correct us. If we're wrong, which we very well could be, because I just made that up on the spot. <laughs> it sounded uh-huh. good. It sounded good. It sounded great. Um, so I, a couple other tropes of creepypasta. So I said, you know, they're often told in first person as if it happened to somebody. Um, but they're also often 
their horror. So they often have some sort of strange element to them. Mm-hmm. And there's this really brilliant, I'll post this up on our show notes, this really brilliant uh, infographic mm-hmm. about several different elements that you typically find in creepypasta. And I don't remember all of them and I don't want to ruin the infographic anyway. So, yeah. um, but a couple of them I can remember were uh, murder happens often in creepypasta, supernatural elements mm-hmm. op- often happen. Um, you often have uh, just something unexplainable mm-hmm. happening in them. And so the that's kind of the trope of creepypasta. So there's no real specific subject, uh, no real specific format. Uh I mean, some of them are written as normal short stories. Mm -hmm. Some are written like you would see something on a message board. Some are through text. I mean, uh, like text messages. Yeah. So there's no real form to them necessarily. Um, It's just anything horror created online. Online. Now, I will say that sort of definition has expanded over the years because originally when creepypasta was made the the whole point behind creepypasta was to make the reader believe it was real okay so it had some sort of mythos behind it mm-hmm. um now because so many of those creepypastas have been debunked and we've figured out who the authors were, which is a whole conversation I want to get into in and of itself. But we figured out who the authors were. We know these stories are fictional. And so that kind of element of these could be real is gone. Mm-hmm. But they're still creepypasta. That's what they were in the first <laughs> place. So it's kind of like the the term has become a wider umbrella, but some of the the kind of purists are like, no, if you can't believe it's real, if you don't believe it's real, then it's not creepypasta. It's just a scary story. And I'm like, yeah, come on. Okay, so there's a difference? Things evolve. I, I they, The purists believe that creepypasta has to be believed as real. Believed as real. But I, I think that it is just a term to generally talk about scary stories that were written on the internet. Yeah, because... If that were the case, then it would weed out millions so <laughs> of stories. stories. Yeah. So I don't know if I subscribe to that kind of ideology. If you do, good for you. Yeah. Um, and please keep curating like the pure, mm-hmm. uh, the pure stuff. But I think I think we can open up that term to mean any scary story any written scary on the st- internet. Yeah. As long as it was originated on the internet, I think that's fair game for okay. to be considered creepypasta. Personally, that's just a personal opinion. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to go back to and talk with you a little bit more about Endemic is that whole, so, so many of the early creepypastas were anonymous or were thought to be anom- anonymous because of this whole copy-paste nature of okay. these stories. Yeah. They weren't, though. They were written by actual authors. They were just, you know, <clears throat> using a new medium. They were using the internet, right, yeah. to publish their stories. And then their stories kind of got taken and went down this th- this kind of um, rabbit hole. And so, you know, now that we've found those authors, it's kind of like it's a little frowned upon now to do the copy-paste thing because this is intellectual property. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So well, I mean, can can anything really be creepy? Okay. Well, anymore? then I see what the purists are saying mm-hmm. because that that takes the that takes the fright right out of it. Oh, all of a sudden it's this intellectual property that belongs to someone, and when it's anonymous, you don't know what or who it belongs to. Right. So that adds to that's a fair point to the fright of it. But yeah, that kind of that even on, honestly that even takes the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think about think about an urban legend before you tell it. Uh, the killer that licked the hand written by Adolf Poopstain. I mean, what a name. <laughs> I don't what a know. Name. I just picked a name, um, you know, from Germany, 1850. Right. You know, that's not nearly as scary as the killer that licked your hand, you know. Yeah. Why this happened, this to, a happened to a friend of a friend That's of a friend. That's a great point because when we tell these stories as if this happened to me or as if this happened to a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. 
because we want the reader to believe that, but mm-hmm. then you see like written by, mm-hmm. you know, user I judge 25. something written by, by a whole different set of criteria than I judge uh, I, an anonymous urban legend. Yeah, that's a great point. But that, it, it's such a complicated issue though, because there's that. So that kind of impacts the experience for the reader. Mm-hmm. But then the author, I mean, that it, that is their intellectual property. That sure. Is. So that's so difficult how to navigate that. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, but I, but just us having that little conversation just now, I don't, I, I didn't even have an opinion. Yeah. But just thinking about that, um, I can see where the purists are coming from. Yeah. And I think it too is a symptom of the medium using the internet mm-hmm. to do this because, you know, I, I was talking with the endemic a little before we started recording tonight that these stories feel very similar. We just did an episode on urban legends. Mm-hmm. This, these seem very similar. Essentially, I view these as the urban legends of the digital age. Yes, absolutely. And I think what is different about them is, you know, an urban legend is told in person. There's a teller, there's a listener. Oftentimes you're around a campfire in a spooky setting and you're sharing these stories orally and then those stories get shared with a new circle of folks Mm -hmm. and then a new Mm -hmm. circle of folks. So it takes a long time for urban legends to take hold and become popular because it takes a long time for them to circulate just because of the nature of how they're told. And it's but because of also the nature of how they're told, it's hard to identify how they originated. Mm-hmm, right. Because, you, you know, which adds to the mystery, down, which adds to the mystery. And so many people probably add their own embellishments. Mm-hmm. As well, they and it weeds down. out it weeds out nonsense because it takes effort to pass them on that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if one of them isn't very good, the, the effort to to tell the story, the payoff is going to, it's not going to be there. So people aren't going to. Sure. So they get refined down to these really amazing stories. Whereas the stuff on the internet, oh my God. You have to sift through a lot. Don't even get me started. I know. But I think too, yeah, in the internet, you you write a story and you click submit and then that's available to thousands of people immediately. Instantly. And so many people can see that on their feed Mm -hmm. or as they're searching, see that pop up at the top of the forum. I mean... You get that instant kind of readership and potentially instant popularity um, that you just don't have with an urban legend. And, but then, you know, you have mm-hmm. a username so you can be traced. <laughs> right. Well, I, d- this made me think of something that I wonder how many of these creepy pastas will make their way into the oral tradition yeah. of urban legend. I think some of the ones that have really taken off, I can mm-hmm. see that happening. Mm-hmm. I can see them being adapted to a campfire story type. Yeah. Um, because they've built up their whole own lore base. True. So that would be easily adaptable, mm-hmm. I would think. So Interesting. Just a thought. Yeah. Just a thought. So, yeah. So Creepypasta, it's it's the, the urban legend of the new age. Um, now, we do have a couple Creepypastas I know we want to talk about tonight, but um, you're probably wondering, especially if you're not familiar with creepypasta, where exactly do I find this stuff? <laughs> um, because, I mean, it originally was just copy and pasted across the internet. So you could mm-hmm. find it literally anywhere. You yeah. know, you could find it in social media. You could find it in email. You could find it on a message board. We'll you see, could find it. I didn't know that when, when we... St- uh, decided to do this episode and you said creepypasta and even when I went to do my research for mm-hmm. this I thought it was creepypasta was a website where creepypasta happens mm-hmm. so that's what I, I I googled creepypasta and it is a website where creepypasta happens <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing it, it is all of the things it is all of the things um, yeah because there is there's a, uh, a creepypasta.com there's a creepypasta.org there's a creepypasta wiki there's creepypasta on reddit there's creepypasta everywhere <laughs> it really is everywhere but those are those are the ones i just listed off Cre- creepypasta wiki creepypasta.com creepypasta.org and reddit uh, has a creepypasta subthread um, those are very popular areas they kind of act as these kind of repositories mm-hmm. Of creepypasta because you can still find it across the internet. Yeah. Um, but these are kind of nice if you're 
you're not looking for a specific story you're just looking to browse yeah. those are nice sites to go to because yeah. it's going to give you some different selections yeah that uh the creepy pasta wiki seemed to have um a, a good archive mm-hmm. of stuff to sift through absolutely so those are some places if you're new to it i would suggest starting um I would also suggest because there's so much creepypasta endemic, I think you can speak to this a lot because you just went through it. Yeah. There's so much creepypasta. I would all honestly suggest going, just Googling best creepypasta, classic creepypasta. Start with, yeah, the classics. And then you'll get some articles that'll list out a Mm -hmm. couple, top 10, top 20, and go Go with those. Go with those stories first because then you're going to get a feel for exactly what it Mm -hmm. is. And then when you start doing some of your own research, (laughs) you can kind of sift through what is true to form and what's a little out there in terms of creepypasta. So that's how I would suggest getting started if you're new. But, Andemic, you might have some I didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Here, here's my thing. While I applaud this and I think mm-hmm. it's, um, I love any kind of creativity really. And these things have legs and people that care about them and, you know, but I, for me, I just don't get it. Um, I started, and, and, and as I started this research, I Googled creepypasta and this website came up called creepypasta. Right. It wasn't the wiki one. It was the other one. Okay. And so I thought, well, this is it. What the hell? How did this? What? What? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just started doing like a little critique of the page because I thought, well, this is it. Yeah, yeah sure. I know. It was ridiculous. Um, but. So what is your critique of the page? The page sucked. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know if that's one that's still well man- maintained. Some of the stories had oh, sure. had had. Um, had dates that were, you know, 2021. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I mean, so somebody, some yeah, some new stuff. So yeah. I think people still do use it, but. I don't know. Maybe it was my browser. Maybe it's because I wasn't looking on a phone. I was actually looking mm-hmm. on a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was clunky. There were fucking ads everywhere. And that, so much so that that thing slowed down my computer oh, for I a bet. little bit. I bet. Um, and I found it really clunky to navigate. So that made me think, well, maybe this site isn't as as well maintained. Yeah. And then I got on. I, I, finally, um, I finally got on the other one, the Creepypasta Wiki. And okay. that one is is better to to navigate through. Mm-hmm. I found that some of the um the prominent creepy pasta stories were uh, there on the front page, you know. Okay. So you know, I yeah. could kind of, and I even recognized a couple of the names. Oh, um, nice, nice. So I I I get it, but I don't. I mean, I get it for people who love it, but right. I just I, it's not for me. I don't get it. I don't find it. Scary. Gary, um, and maybe it's me with the the screen between me and what's what's being written, but I can't um, I can't immerse myself in it. Sure, and it all feels like fiction, even when some of it is supposed to feel real. Sure. Um, so I don't know, and 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 my impression was that a lot of it is written by kids. Uh, young adults, maybe yeah. teens. I think I think you're onto something there. Um, I do. There's a lot of video game paranoia. I found. Ah, yes. There are so. There's a lot of it. In fact, I think that's a good um, kind of segue into this conversation about uh, subgenre in creepy pasta. Because as I said, it can be about anything as long as it's creepy, right? You've got your tropes. You've got yeah. your supernatural. You've got your murder. All those types of things. It doesn't have to be that, but it. That often is, yeah. Um, but there are some s- notable subgenres of creepy pasta, um, particularly as you just said, video games mm-hmm. is one of them. And um, so, for instance, a lot of the video games creepy pastas will be about. Oh, I I just went and got this video game at the used game <laughs> store, and I'm playing it, and some weird stuff's happening in my house now or oh, yeah. the, the frequency com- coming yeah. out of this game the lavender room in mm-hmm. japan caused a lot of kids supposedly because of the music or something in the lat this this board that you had to get to this screen that you had to get to so it's like a lot of it surrounding games yeah um that's a whole subgenre in and of itself um 
there's the what was the popular one that Ben Drowned, ben, I believe. Yeah, Ben Drowned. Yeah, is is really popular. And it's long and drawn out and has lots of parts to it. And I'm just sitting over here thinking, turn off the fucking game and throw it away. It is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get yeah. But uh, I don't want to suck anybody's joy because sure. you know people love that stuff. People do love it. Um, because yeah, you're like, oh, a video game. How how. Mm-hmm. How would that work? But I can see, too, the draw of it, because you can kind of draw parallels a little bit, too, like, if you think about, like, The Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, true. Right. True. So there's some there's some interesting stuff there. And what was that movie? I love that movie about the video game. Uh, oh, oh, like, um, I think it was based on Elizabeth Bathory, and they play, there was a video game. Do you remember this at all? I don't, but. When you play it, uh, she comes and kills you. Holy shit. Yeah, it was, it was one of those, it came out at that time where like a lot of movies, I think it was like 2000s, 2010s, where a lot of the movies kind of had the same kind of tone and, and feel to them, where it's all like 20 something. Stay alive. Stay alive, yes. 2006. Yeah. So I think, I still think that's a fun one. I remember watching that and loving it and i owned it and i watched it all the time well i can get on board with that and you know there's sure. there's some stuff with online that you know that i can get on board with but For sure but i just don't happen to be able to relate to the 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 rabbit holes i went down and i think it just so happened that i turned down all the wrong ones mm-hmm. and i because i didn't you know and, and that and i didn't know where i didn't have any expectation of where i was going to end up so of i course. just did it um, but nothing, nothing I found resonated with me in any way. So that's what led me to believe, okay, well, maybe it's teens and young adults right. writing this stuff. Right. And um, because it's got legs and it's been around for a long time. It's been around, yeah, for, I mean, what now? Uh, at least 20 or more yeah. years. Yeah. So rock on to that. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, but it's just not, it's just not for me. I, I um, totally get that. Yeah. Um, so, and I think too, so the video game is one subgenre. I think the other subgenre I would point out would be just internet in general. So you've got a lot of lore around message boards, a lot of lore around email chains and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think there's an interesting conversation to be had that kind of ties to what you were just saying, Endemic, about how this creepypasta, if we're going to consider it the urban legend of now, mm-hmm. um, it's got to function in the same way that the urban legend functions, which is to talk about the fears that we have as a society. And I think what Creepypasta does very interestingly, puffy paint is coming off the glass and endemic is peeling <laughs> In it. sheets. Sheets. Um, I think what Creepypasta does really well is that it examines the human fear of technology using uh, technology. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're you're examining this fear of the internet age taking over, controlling our minds. I mean, you just talked about the frequencies making people do things. That without any question, we invited the technology into our homes. Yes. And it can get us there. Yes. There's and no hiding exactly. anymore. And so I think these creepypasta do that well in that they're talking, they're, they're, Allowing people to explore that fear of advancement mm-hmm. in technology, oddly enough, using technology. Yeah, because we can't imagine ever turning it off. So, yeah. I mean, of course, it's going to kill us if it's coming for us because yes. there's no way I'm turning that shit off. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And I think that conversation is very relevant, as you said, to younger generations mm-hmm. who have never existed without, without it. technology. Yeah. So it's it's just an inevitability yes. that it ex- that it is in their lives. Exactly, exactly. So I think that might be okay, what draws a young audience to it. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Somehow we always go down a psychology rabbit hole, <laughs> and neither of us are qualified to do that, but we have fun doing it. Yeah, but we're doing it anyway. We're doing it anyway. Don't take any of our advice, but we're doing it anyway. Um. So I think that's really cool about creepy pasta, and then I think so. One of the other things we, we kind of talked about is how long it's been around. Um, there's actually some argument as to when this stuff originated, which I think hmm. is really interesting to think about. So a lot of folks, so it was really popular in the 2000s, 2010s, like I said. Okay. But some people say that it 
truly originated in the 1990s because remember the time when everyone was forwarding those damn email chains (laughs) where if you didn't forward it on, someone's going to visit you at midnight and kill you. Yes. And it's funny that you just said that because I was going to ask if that counts. A lot of people think it does. Okay. And that is like original creepypasta. Because that's been around for a very long time. Yeah, the minute email existed, that That started. That started. (laughs) It was like, hello. Um, So a lot of people think that's the origin of creepypasta. But there's a, I don't know if it's like an opposing camp or just people that think the the current form of what creepypasta is. So like, you know, story type form. um, They think that originated with the story Ted the Caver. Okay. Which was posted in 2001 to a site called Angel Fire. Angel Fire. I remember Angel Fire. Mm -hmm. So that's where Ted the Caver started. Now, I really wanted to read Ted the Caver for Hmm. this podcast so I'd have something intelligent to say about it. And I promise you all, I did my best. And I'm going to read it (laughs) because it does have merit. I'm not saying any of this to say that it was bad. It wasn't bad. But the thing that struck me about it was that I, I got engrossed really fast at the at the start because whoever was writing it clearly had a passion for caving and like that passion drew me in like, oh, they're so excited about this thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so added like, to the realism, and too, added I'm to sure. The realism. Yeah. So I was like, and the way that they structured this, this thing, because it's written as diary entries. And so the way that they structured this thing was really fun, too. And so I, it was really enthusiastic and I was getting into it. But uh, kind of on the flip side of that, whoever wrote this knows a little bit more about caving than I do and the kind of jargony type stuff and it kind of lost me yeah and I want to go back through it because I think that it was getting pretty spooky and it was really well done it was just I got a little lost for a period there and it's pretty long so yeah um so yeah so I am gonna go back and do read Ted the Caver because it's I mean Mm -hmm. it's the one of the origins of creepy yeah. pasta. I've got yeah. to read it, but um, but I didn't get I didn't get through it for this yeah. one. Well, they made it into a movie, so you said that uh, that I've seen, and you said you liked. Yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the movie just fine. So that's where they think it all started. So it got its legs in the 2010s, 2020, 2000s, 2010s, um, and I think well, why that was too was because that's when those those wiki sites started coming up in popularity. So before, you know, you copy and pasted it and it was found all over the internet. And so people would happen upon it and like it, but not necessarily like big fans of it. Yeah. But then you get these repositories of it and people can go to those repositories and read a bunch of it. And that's kind of how you start your fan base. Right. So I think, mm-hmm. I think there has to be a connection between the spin ups, spin ups of those sites. And then the increase in popularity in the 2000s and 2010s. Plus, this is like when tech is starting to explode. Oh, People yeah. People are starting to get oh, into yeah. it. So this is just a thing that kind of goes hand in hand. The tech is exploding, and then also the tech anxiety is exploding at the same time. So um, then in about, I would say, probably 2014 or so, um, it starts to decline a little bit. Um, and I think that that is connected to, um, I know we're going to talk about Slenderman, uh, here in just a little bit, but I think that is connected to the horrific tragedy of the Slenderman stabbing that occurred in 2014. Yeah. And I think that one of the arguments is it started to lose popularity after that. Yeah. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Because either one, people started to kind of demonize creepypasta because of that Mm -hmm. or two you know i think something that is readily available on the internet is creepy is going to attract a younger audience Mm -hmm. and when something like that occurs you know parent one could argue that perhaps parents were a little bit more choosy about what they allowed their children to view on the internet and so maybe that a, a very large segment yeah. of the viewership was limited uh, or taken away mm-hmm. from creepypasta because of that. Yeah. And then the other thing kind of to your point 
about young people writing creepypasta. That is also one of the arguments as to why it started to decline because this people, like I said, you can get on, you can be a contributor, you can take a story, a character from a story and put them in your own story and create yeah. your own lore and these mm-hmm. sorts of things. And there's not really a control. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that kind of diluted the creepypasta. Lots of amateur writers came in and, and yeah. right. I mean, that's great that sure. they're, they're trying out their craft, but it did make sifting through the creepypasta for some of the, or, yeah. or the originals or maybe some, you know, some that have a little bit more of a, um, seasoned form. Um, it made it a little bit more difficult and that might've you know, turn people off. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's kind of, kind of where I was. I just, I just lost interest and I didn't have the stamina to root through all of it. Right. Um, uh, to find scare something scary. I just, it was just too much. Um, and honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to say this over and over because when I don't like something, I don't want to think just, I don't want to come off as just because I don't like it means it sucks. Um, these stories aren't bad because they have audiences. They have right. craft to them. Right. Um, I think I just came too late to that party to uh, to immerse myself in all of it. Right. Um, which is fine. I, I mean, I'm at peace with that. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I'm still going to try and get you some, orig- some of the right. original creepypasta because I think I can get you into some of it. Obviously... There's so much out there. No one's into all of it. I mean, that's just not Hashtag possible. uphill battle. But good. Yes, we're going to do it. <laughs> you bring it on. We're going to do it. Um, but also what we were saying about the younger readership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as the Internet was a little bit younger and this stuff was coming out, people didn't know what they didn't know yet. Right. So I think maybe some kids found this stuff, you know, before uh, any, you know, authority figure in their life could you know yeah. talk to them about it yeah um and especially the younger kids the or the young teens sure i think are particularly susceptible to uh to believing this stuff um as true mm-hmm. and which which is exactly what happened um with the two girls that stabbed their friend um because slender man um yeah but also i found another story in 2016 a 12 year old girl um named caitlin davis she live streamed okay. her own suicide. Um, she was 12 years old because she had fallen in love with Ben from Ben Drowned. Um, oh, no. And she apparently left a really intense note. Um, but these stories spoke to her. To her, they were real. And she yeah. fell in love with this character. Wow. Yeah. So if you don't have the, um, if you don't have any of the tools to, of discernment in of any kind right. i mean you you can become i think highly susceptible to this stuff absolutely yeah so you we've been talking a little bit about you know uh the creepy pasta and things like that and i'd love to get into a couple of the the stories themselves okay the, and we touched a little on slender man yeah so i'd love to start there and really if you do not know creepy pasta you've probably still heard of slender man yeah I it mean, it kind of jumped out of the it, the, the it, creepypasta realm it grew, into yeah. it grew into something bigger than creepy it pasta. Did. Um, so Slender Man, a little bit of background. Um, this is one of the kinds of creepypasta that actually started out not text based, which is very rare. Um, it started with an image or two images, actually, yes. which are super cool. They are. They're really good. Um, and those w- happened um, because of a Photoshop contest. Yeah. So it was called the Something Awful Photoshop Competition in 2009. And the artist's name, his name is Eric Nudson, and his username mm-hmm. was like Victor Surge or yeah. something like that. Um, but he created these Slender Man images, and he submitted them to this contest. And then it kind of blew up from there. They became so popular that this whole lore around the Slender Man yeah um blew up so i highly encourage you to google and find the images yourself because they're really cool yeah but essentially what slender man is he's he's always this very tall thin 
figure dressed in black and white mm-hmm. has tentacles and he's kind of always ominously in the background yeah. no um, face no face and there's always children around yeah so he is associated with children disappearances mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. um and so he kind of caters to a more childlike audience um because of that yeah and he has like we said grown above and beyond creepypasta he has been in video games movies movies um has a whole lore base based on him but i wonder if it would have if it would have gone there had it not been for what happened with the two girls yeah so three girls so i know we don't want to get too into that but i think we should touch on what happened this what is known as the slender man stabbing um now i think slender man the is connected to a couple different violent incidents happened and they have been credited or associated in mm-hmm. some way to the slender man lore but this one i feel like became really in the media um, yeah uh anisa weir and morgan geyser yes stabbed their friend peyton lautner mm-hmm. who they called bella mm-hmm. um like 19 times they yeah. stabbed her and left her to die. Yeah, in the woods. In they the just woods. lured her out in the woods after um, a sleepover. Uh, because one of the girls, and I honestly don't remember which one, one of the girls was convinced that if they didn't do this, then Slenderman was going to kill her whole family. Mm-hmm. And I also read that they also wanted to be what they called proxies to him. Yes, and it, the... The manor, the the giant mansion was in the middle of the a forest there, mm-hmm. and that they could go and live in as proxies. Yeah, yeah. So there was, I mean, there was a lot happening mm-hmm. there. Clearly, these two young girls needed some help, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't get the help that they needed. And then, unfortunately, their friend was attacked, mm-hmm. and a horrible tragedy. Now, thank goodness. That little girl lived. She survived, yeah. By sheer will, crawled out of the woods <laughs> yeah. and said, I'm not going to die here today. Yeah. So, God damn. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, uh, so thankfully that. But I think that turns into a whole conversation of, you know, and I think, like we said, that this incident is one of the incidents that is attributed to the downfall of creepypasta. Yeah, yeah. Um, because so the media, parents, fully blamed the creepypasta community yeah. for what happened. And I think that sparks the conversation. I know we don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because it is a whole conversation in and of itself. But what responsibility does this type of media have when yeah. incidents like that occur? Yeah. Um, I have my own thoughts on that. Uh, but I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your Well, it's the thoughts. argument as old as time. I mean, heavy metal music makes people commit murder. Right. I mean, it's it's always the other. Something right. that is the other right. that becomes demonized. Um, and in this case, something did happen. Right. You know, and sometimes things happen. But I'm torn. I'm torn on the responsibility because it is not solely on creepypasta. Mm-mm. It is, uh, especially to a young kid, right. young kids have parents or caregivers yeah. that need to be um, uh, be their, their intellectual, spiritual guides through life. You know, teach right. these, give these kids um, the tools they need to, to discern what's right and what's wrong. And right. I, I don't know. But, but then again, too, at what point, you know, you can be in as, you can be as involved as you um as you think is best and is healthy for your children. And at some point they're just going to do what they're going to do. So yeah. Cause you can't be there 24 seven. You can't be there 24. So I, I honestly, I don't know. There's what, no good answer. Yeah. What do you think? I think you're exactly right. There's no good answer. I think that no, there's no single party to blame in this incident or in the countless other incidents that are attributed to yeah. video games. And you uh-huh. know, yes, I think that, I think that the real honest to god culprit is the stigmatization of mental health absolutely and the the increasing need to equip parents teachers folks in children's lives you know whoever that might be Mm -hmm. community center people you know anyone in a child's life because you need a community to take care of a child that is still true You know, that is still true. And you need to equip people to be able to recognize, you know, 
patterns of behavior that might not be healthy Mm -hmm. or patterns of thinking Mm -hmm. that might not be healthy and recognize those signs and then equip them how to have conversations around that, how to, how to help, how to give, you know. Well, for instance, in the documentary, um, there's an HBO documentary called Beware the Slender Man um, about all this whole case and about creepypasta and the internet and, you know, the implications of all of it. But I remember one of the one of the mothers, and I do not remember which girl it was, so I won't say any of their names, but one of the girl's mother uh, recalled that when when her daughter was young and they would sit and watch movies like Bambi or whatever, that there was no empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used Bambi as the example. Yeah. Um, when, you know, Bambi's mom dies and she goes, there was no empathy. She was just she just sat there at this very, very young age. And said, hell yeah, you take care of yourself first kind of yeah, kind of sentiment. Right. You know, in however, you know, in, in young speak, whatever she said, but that she just had this general lack of empathy. So what was that concerning? Right. Um, was it what, what did anybody teach the parents of things to watch out for in that realm? Right. You know what? Right. Does because, it mean something? I mean, right. I can't imagine. I mean. And let's be real. Little kids can say some creepy shit. Creepy shit. I mean, they do. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to figure out what is actually a warning sign and what is just a weird, exactly. creepy thing my child just said, you so, know? Yeah. But, so I think in some cases, honestly, you do the best you can. Yes. And then it, sometimes sometimes bad shit happens. So, it just yes. does. Yes. And, we, it, and if we equipped more people to find warning signs, then mm-hmm. we can lessen that. Mm-hmm. But I think that it isn't really fair, like you said, yeah. to blame the creepypasta community. I mean, they no. didn't they didn't write those stories for that to happen. No, and they didn't put the story in front of the kid. And they went and they condemned the action. You know, mm-hmm. like it was, yeah. a, I mean, um, yeah, I think you, you, you're going down a dangerous route when you mm-hmm. blame a community of creatives yeah. for the actions of someone who needed help yeah so yeah yeah. um so yeah that's That's tough kind of that um so that is slender man um now i will say obviously some negative press around that but i would highly encourage you if you are into creepypasta um check out slender man and some lore around uh slender man because that's kind i almost feel like slender man has become synonymous with creepypasta <laughs> yeah you know like when you think of creepypasta that's the first thing slender man yeah that's the first thing that comes to mind um i ted the caver again very popular one um so i would point you there and then i have to talk about my favorite which Do is it. candle cove candle cove candle friggin cove <laughs> i watched some of it on it there was a youtube thing about it I think it's so good. Um, so it was written by Chris Straub. Um, and I it is hard to access. It's, well, I shouldn't say. It's not hard to access now. You just Google it. And if you go to the wiki, the wiki will have a link to the author's website. Because this is one of the ones where it was an original. And then it got copy and pasted across the internet. And it was not attributed to the writer. And the writer didn't write it for to be creepypasta. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. write it for that purpose it just kind of got (laughs) co-opted yeah and so he's like um actually no i want credit for that i wasn't trying to pretend like this was real i wanted like credit for this story so now it's very um it's on his website chris job uh and it's excellent so i can see why he wants credit for the story because he did a damn good job (laughs) awesome he did a damn good job um so it's kind of written in a fun format in that it is a uh, message board and it's written as a series of posts on the message board. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it does is it goes down this nostalgic rabbit, rabbit hole about users talk, trying to uh, reminisce about this show they vaguely remember called Candle Cove yeah, yeah. that they watched as little kids. And it increasingly becomes weirder and weirder <laughs> the further you get down the story. <laughs> now... Obviously, not going to spoil anything. Obviously, want you to go read this yourself. But um, I will say it's it's a pretty short read. You can get through it in a couple minutes. It it's not the scariest creepy pasta out there, but it leaves you a little unsettled and just like I don't know. Every time I've read it, I got chills because of how good it was. Are you more unsettled by what people people are capable of coming up with? A little. <laughs> 
I am a little unsettled by some of the <laughs> topics that people come up with for this creepy pasta. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. But Candle Cove, I can't speak highly enough of it, and that's one I'm going to make endemic. Uh, All right, I'm going to. Yeah, whatever I looked at on YouTube, I don't even know if it was part of it or it was uh, an homage. I'm not sure what it was I was looking at, but it was puppets. It is, yeah. And the puppets were there, doing stuff. There is a puppet uh, theme to Candle Cove. <laughs> okay, well then, all right, that's pretty good. I will, I will do it with an open mind. You, yes, I, I, I'm excited for that one. Um, so those are really the creepy pastas I wanted to highlight. Now, there is uh, something that is tangential to creepy pasta that I'd love to chat about. Yep. Um, this is kind of considered a sister, if you will, to creepy pasta. It is called the SCP Foundation. SCP Foundation. The SCP Foundation. Um, so that stands for Secure, Contain, Protect, mm-hmm. or Special Containment Procedures. Ah. Um, this, oh my gosh, this I think this is so fun. Um, so basically what this is, this is another forum. You can just Google it. It has its own website, the SCP Foundation. It is a large-scale creative writing project. So this is another forum, many contributors to mm-hmm. it. Um, it's spun up as a sister to Creepypasta because, as I've mentioned before, a lot of the Creepypasta that's out there, you're going to see characters that recur over and over again because people copy them into their own stories like fan fiction. Okay. And the SCP Foundation spun up and said, you know what? We're going to take those characters, which are lovingly called pasta monsters. Uh, (laughs) We're going to take the pasta monsters and we're going to classify them as though they do exist. And we're going to write their backstories, essentially. Um, And so the SCP Foundation is kind of written as if it is a government website. And it is... Its sole purpose of uh, existence is to contain the supernatural creatures, uh, inanimate objects, places, basically to document all of them, Hmm. to contain all of them, and to protect the public (laughs) from the influence of all of them. How long has this been around? The SCP Foundation spun up in 2007. Um, I wonder it, if that's what they based that TV show on Sci-Fi Channel, Warehouse 13. Ooh. Because I think that was about a, a huge government facility that they tracked down stuff like that to get it. Oh. Um, to and then housed it in this warehouse. I don't know. That wouldn't be cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I, I I'm not cool. sure. Don't quote me on that. But that sounds. That sound, Yeah. Kind of like that. Simi- very similar in hmm. idea. Um, no, it, so this spun up in 2007 and it was inspired by a creepy pasta, which was called SCP-173. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone wrote a creepy pasta, called it SCP-173. Yeah. Um, and then someone took that idea and said, I'm going to make an entire forum structured like this. See, I love that creativity. Yes. I love that, the, the what it sparks. Exactly. Exactly. And so, essentially, when you get on this website, um, there's obviously a back end to it. So, you can see this is a great creative forum. Mm -hmm. Um, You actually have to apply to be a contributor. So, they did create, unlike Creepypasta, where anyone can contribute. Yeah. Anyone can still contribute to the SCP Foundation. But you do, there is like a um, kind of a process you have to go through to become a contributor. So, they have a little bit of quality control over what is. Yeah. And they also have a very strict structure. So they've created a whole lore base where all of these things get classified under certain names. Yeah. Um, they always have a description. They always have a procedure as to how people who are handling it have to <laughs> act. Yeah. Um, there's always a picture associated. So there's a very specific form mm-hmm. to the SCPs um, that you have to follow where creepypasta, as we said, is really anything that's scary on the internet. Yeah. So um, this is a little bit different. That's really neat. Now... Are you going to get some SCPs that are creepier than others? Sure. Are you going to get some that might, you know, resonate with you a little bit more Mm -hmm. than others? Absolutely. Um, But they all follow these certain kind of guidelines. And I think there are like close to a thousand SCPs. So you could spend, you know, hours (laughs) upon hours reading through this stuff. And it's so, so fun. Um, So I highly recommend uh 
the SCP Foundation. If you are at all interested in this creepypasta thing, what yeah. what is this creepypasta thing? Um, this is a fun spin up um, that came of it. Well, cool. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I have about creepypasta. It was certainly interesting. Um, it it is it's way it's a way bigger phenomenon than than I had any idea. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's totally cool. Uh, what I did kind of, I, I kind of spun off when I got, I just couldn't read anymore. I just was done with that part, but I love the versatility of it and the potential of creepypasta to spin off over into other genres, uh, TV, Mm, YouTube. Um, uh, I found, um, I, and I think it's the name of the show. It's called Channel Zero. Um, and then their yes. anthology, each season is an anthology. Yes. Of, I think, creepypastas. Am I right? Channel Zero was inspired by Candle Cove. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. um, and th- there I watched, I watched a little bit of a couple episodes. I didn't have a lot of time, but um, they seem really well done. And because I'm much more of a visual person, that might be how I connect. Yeah, absolutely. To it. Absolutely. Um, because there were a couple that were, um, that looked like really, really good quality and actually pretty scary. Scary. Yeah. But when I read it, it doesn't translate the same as, you know, the visual for me. Absolutely. But but I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, that they, I mean, they, it's it's got legs. It does have legs. <laughs> it does. And even though, you know, it's kind of declined over the years, mm-hmm. I think I like to lovingly describe it as the grandmother of horror story on the internet. Right? Okay, fair enough. Like, yeah. whatever comes up next, you know, whatever is the next iteration of creepypasta, I think they have to pay some respects to the fact that creepypasta, you know, kind of got people thinking about how to create horror art online yeah how to use the digital medium for horror yeah and i think you're seeing that a lot in movies now Mm -hmm. um and i think you're going to continue to see that because i think like we said earlier it is just the it's what humans are grappling with right now Mm -hmm. is this fear of Mm -hmm. what's next yeah with technology no and that's true that's why you see so many uh of these one-off horror movies that are out um where a phone stops working yeah that scares the shit yeah. out of most everybody these days. Yes. Um, the, pow- the power grid goes down. Yes. Or anything anything that could possibly rob you of your screen. Of your connection. Of your connection. Yes. Um, and that that is fascinating to me. Absolutely. Um, anyway, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So... Time for a what the hell? I mean, let's do it. I, I have to say I'm I'm a little proud of myself for getting through that because I wasn't sure I was gonna have anything you have plenty to, to contribute. Say. Yeah, you have plenty to say. <laughs> All right. Oh. All right, let's see. You wanna uh let her rip? Yeah, you want me to go? Let her rip. Okay. Which. Have you heard of the Solway Firth Spaceman? Solway Firth. Spaceman. Spaceman. I have not. This is fun. This connects a little bit to the creepypasta theme. So this is a real thing that happened or was purported to happen. Um, A photograph taken in 1964 features a child in the foreground. I know this photo. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what looks to be a spacesuit in the background. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it does. That's exactly what it looks like. That is what it looks like. Uh, The photo was taken by a man named Jim Templeton. At the Berg Marsh in Cumbria, England. And Jim says that when he took this photo, he took a fo- He was out with his family on the marsh, mm-hmm. um, his wife and daughter. And he was taking photos of his daughter that day. He took three photos of his daughter. And he said no one else was really around, just me, my wife, and my daughter. There were other people at the marsh, but they weren't there. They weren't in the area I was taking the photos. And so he takes three photos of his daughter. Two of them come out fine. One comes out with what looks to be a spacesuit in the background, but there wasn't a spacesuit in the background. So he thought that was kind of strange. And when he got them developed, Kodak confirmed. Yeah. These were not altered photographs. <laughs> so no one knows where the spacesuit. 
I love that. I didn't know it had a name. I've seen that picture yeah, before. The Solway Firth Space spaceman now in 2014 there was um a man by the name of david clark who tried to explain why that phenomenon could have happened um he seems to think that templeton's wife who was wearing a light blue dress at the time she may have somehow wandered her way into the frame without realizing it and at the time the cameras i guess you could only see about 70 percent or so of what you were actually taking a picture of. So it is possible she was in an area of the camera that uh, Templeton couldn't see. Um, and then just how the, the photo was a little overexposed, it could have made her dress appear white um, like it does in the photo itself. I feel like that's a lot of coincidence. A lot. A lot of coincidence. Um, I think there's a phantom spaceman on Bergmarsh. I think there is too. Um, and Because it even looks like, uh, I'm looking at it now, that... Yeah. The, the the helmet there's a helmet yeah it looks like a spacesuit i think it yeah i think there's a phantom spaceman i'm gonna agree with you what the hell oh what the hell <laughs> i love that okay so here is i have two actually um and i'm just gonna share both because this one just came to me um from my pal and this is just a quick fact i saw it on a meme maybe it's true maybe it's not it came from uber facts on um on facebook okay if Godzilla were real, uh-huh. he'd produce 12.9 million gallons of urine a day. Oh. The world would be flooded with piss. My God. Flooded. I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. Can um, you imagine how large that bladder would no, be? No, no. He would be constantly pissing. Constantly. Con- it'd be like a steady stream. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> okay, so here is my what the hell. Did you know that blood can be used as egg substitute when baking due to their similar protein composition? Stop it. Yeah. Uh, a team of Nordic food lab, uh, uh, at a Nordic food lab, they studied the science behind blood's coagulation properties and determined that blood is a viable egg substitute in baking because there's, sim- there's a similar protein composition between the two. Uh, so if you're out of eggs and super desperate to bake something, um, the substitution ratio is 65 grams of blood for one egg or 43 grams of blood for one egg white. I have a lot of questions. The more you know. What <laughs> made them even think to have that study? Uh, scientists think of things, right? I guess. That feels like a horror movie buff came up with that, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But what the actual oh, hell? What the hell? I mean, I've heard of like things like blood sausage, right? Well, that's true. That's so, true. But like, I still don't understand. Like, and what, blood pudding. Yeah. What is um? Well, you know, w- back in the day, there was a time and place for you that. Gotta you used use all of you it. You used all of it. And Bones, I guess that. Eyes, brains, tongue, all of it. Yeah. Um. So what the hell? what the hell that's what i got wow those were good what the hell those were good what the hell those were really good what the hell well thank you listeners for tuning yeah. in for another riveting episode of the horror salon <laughs> uh we hope you enjoyed our little fun discussion of creepy pasta and i have to say i'm going to get andemic to go down a rabbit hole of creepy pasta so if you are so inclined mm-hmm. and you have any recommendations Please share them with us. Uh, you can get a hold of us at info at thehorrorsalon.com. Mm-hmm. Send us your creepypasta recommendations and we will read them. Mm-hmm. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. I will go down the rabbit hole with an open mind. Yes. I love that. That's all I need. I I just, I am constantly looking to be scared to death. So, so yeah so give it a shot so we're in so we're in send us your recommendations Mm -hmm. um you can always follow along uh, at the horror salon on instagram we've got fun stuff going up there every day so we encourage you to do that if you are on social media we'd love a follow there um we would also love you to check out our website that's the horror salon.com mm-hmm. we've got fun stuff going up there all the time um a lot of reviews on the pazuzis that we're drinking some show notes for every podcast we do we got all the links going up there so please be sure to check that out if you want to dive down your own rabbit holes and then of course 
if you've been listening to this podcast and enjoying yourself, we would so appreciate uh, for you to subscribe mm-hmm. wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And then we would also appreciate it if you could throw us a like, a yeah. comment, a review to yeah. let us know what you're loving or what you'd like to hear yeah. next. Yeah, um, we're open to... Uh, yeah, suggestions. Open to suggestion. Constructive and w- criticism. I mean, we're, we're down. We're down. Um, we've got a few more episodes this season, uh, the season of stories, but then we're going to be dreaming up a whole new season. So yep. if you do have a suggestion, this would be about the time to throw it our way. So please, please do reach out to us and let us know what you'd like to hear next. Yeah. All right. And with that. Uh, okay. Let me see if I can blow this candle out. Oh, that's a big it's candle. It's a big one. That's a big ass candle. <sighs> oh. Whoa. The candle is out. The, the Pazoos is emptied. I mean, th- those Pazoozies were really good. They were good. That is the first time I've ever liked a drink with bourbon in it. Heck yeah. Um, bourbon and root beer. Highly recommend it. It made me have a thought, though. And yeah. just a quick, what do you think? Please. Using the banana, 99 bananas liqueur. Ooh, that'd be fun. Because you said it had a it banana had a bana- taste. It really had a banana taste to me. I think that'd be fun. Anyway, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot. Okay, so what do I say next? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and allowing us to do just nonsense that we like to do. Yes. We love um, it. We love it. Thank you so much. We're we're eternally grateful. Uh, I am your co-host, Andemic. And I'm your co-host, The Witch. We'll catch you next time at the Horror Salon, where we curate the strange and unusual. Until dawn, do us part. monsters it's the witch and andemic music for this episode is rage by the 126ers check out our website for show notes and links to some cool extras later nerds